Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 12 uh, this morning. And just want to make sure, JB, we erased the last tape. Uh, Alicia just asked. We did, okay. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7 through 12 this morning. Uh, and then I'm going to look at 2 Samuel 11 just to make my point. This will be a special teaching series today, a special teaching series, um, not a series, but teaching. I plan to get all this in in one Sunday, so I want you to really attune to me. Uh, 2 Samuel 12, verse 7 through 12, and the word of God <clears throat> reads this way. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. I think it's interesting that he uses the terminology, you are the man. Most people like to hear it when somebody tells them they're the man. But in this concept, being told you're the man is tragic news. Oh, God, because he goes on and says, you are the man, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Why? Because I anointed you to be king over Israel and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. David, I did all these great things for you. And I gave thee your master's wife, Saul's wives, and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that wasn't enough or if that had been too little, I would moreover have given you uh, these such things and such things. What he's saying is, if that wasn't enough, I would have blessed you with more. All you had to do was ask me. He goes on to say, wherefore then, why, is what that word wherefore means, have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do this evil in his sight? You killed Uriah. Now Uriah was married to Bathsheba who David took. He took another man's wife. You killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and you took his wife to be your wife and you slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore, because of this, somebody say uh, the penalty, the penalty, yeah, the results, the penalty is the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and you've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. You took another man's wife. So I'm going to put the sword in your house, God says. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. And not only that, the thing that you did, I'm going to do, thank you, I'm going to do to you. He says, I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. <laughs> so you took somebody else's wife, but guess what? I'm going to make sure that your wives cheat on you too. I'm going to put the sword in your house. And he says, and you shall, you shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. But my God, verse number 12 blows my mind. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. For you did this in secret. But I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the son. God says, you did it in secret, but buddy, I'm going to expose it. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that everybody knows of the evil that you have done and the things that now have to occur to you. Now, first and foremost, before we get into this teaching, it is essential, essential that you hear this first sentence or stanza. Because I know who I pastor. I also know who listens to me on the internet. And it is crucial, before I even give you all the points in this message, that you get this first point before we go anywhere in the introduction. The Holy Ghost said, put this first. If you have fallen short, or you have had an affair, or you have messed up, not just having affairs or gotten in any sin, 
Thank God that it's a new day. God has and will forgive you. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we got to start there so that people who have fallen don't, during my teaching, fall into condemnation. Because the teaching is not meant to condemn those of you who have changed. Many in this room, many on the internet, who knows? I mean, of course, uh, 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 across the area that we get to speak to, of course you've had slips and dips. You follow me? You've messed up. There are people who have had affairs. Undoubtedly, I'm sure I may be talking to some today. I don't know. That could be the case. But the reality is, is just like being forgiven of abortions and like being forgiven of lying and stealing and cheating, God will most certainly forgive you for having an affair. Is that clear? Does that make sense, y'all? Amen. So before we even plug into this thing, I got to set that foundation because I'm going to go into some real thick stuff so that those of you who have not fallen off the cliff yet or those of you who have not gotten over into some stuff will not get into it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Today I want to teach from the thought how to affair-proof your marriage. (laughs) How to affair-proof your marriage. If you're single and you're sitting here today, you may say, well, Pastor Gabe, that does not apply to me because I am not married. The subject for you today is how to leave other people's husband or wife alone. (laughs) So whatever your status is, you just pick which subject fits you. Either you are going to fair-proof your marriage or you're going to learn how not to mess with somebody else's spouse. Amen. Amen. And before we even plug into this thing, thank God that this is not another message on 20 ways to get your breakthrough. You've heard enough of those. Today, we're going to keep you out of sin. Praise the Lord. So God is merciful. He will forgive you. However, there's a heightened problem that we have, y'all. And I got to get through the introduction fast because I got a lot of points to give you. It is estimated that roughly 30 to 60 percent of all married individuals in the United States will engage in infidelity at some point during their marriage. That's a high statistic. That is over half of all marriages, according to the researchers, will enter into some infidelity. My goal is to help the 40% not to go there, and those of you who might be in the 30 to 60% who have done it, to help you to not to become a repeat offender. And I'll just tell you this, the world is trying its best to keep the concept of monogamy, if you will, off of our chart. What is monogamy? That is being with one person. Good to see you, mom and dad. Being with one person. When the world is trying to teach us through what we call cognitive desensitization, that is the gradually lowering of the bar, that it is impossible to just be with one person. Monogamy. They want to teach you polygamy. They want to teach you multiple partners, whether it be male and or females. But they want to convince you that to be with just one person for 30 and 40 years, ironically, my parents just walk in. They've been married approximately 50 years. Somebody clap your hands for that. And they want to convince you that having that is impossible, that you have to be abnormal. Well, if that were impossible, then the whole Christian uh, faith, if you will, is irrelevant. What we teach and preach Sunday in and Sunday out, the whole concept of change is not true. And I told you last Sunday, if people can't change, let's pack up the keyboards and the speakers and let's just stay home on Sundays. Because that means the thing that we do week in and week out is just a big theatrical show. But it is not to implement any change. 
Mark 7, Mark chapter 10, rather, verse 7 through 9, because the devil is a liar, you can be with one person. Verse 7 through 9 says it best. It says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. Watch this. The two shall become one flesh. Everybody shout one flesh. And then they are no longer two, but one flesh. But look at verse number nine. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. God says, it is my divine order that no one should come between that holy thing that I have put together. And whether you know it or not this morning, marriage is a holy thing. When you made those vows, good to see you, family. When you made those vows and said, I do, you didn't just say, I do to each other. No, indeed, you said, I do to God. That's why I encourage people, and I tell our singles all the time, before you say, I do, meet with us, talk to us, let's walk through some things. Because see, baby, once you say, I do, you can't just decide to say, I don't. Once you say I do, you can't just decide, you know, to wake up one morning and say, you know, good God Almighty, what did I get myself into? Because it doesn't work that way. There are only two cases where the word of God allows a divorce, if you will. One is in the case of infidelity. Jesus clarified Moses' law on that, just giving you an introduction. The second is what Paul told us. Paul told us in the book of Corinthians that in the case of abandonment, the believing spouse is at peace. So when somebody just packs up and leaves you and says, I don't want to be with you anymore, baby, you're at peace. What you going to do, hold them by the ankles? You going to put her in a chokehold and make her stay? No, if they want to be wayward, they want to go get in some sin, that's up to them. God says, now you are at peace. Somebody shout peace. So in 2 Samuel uh, 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 12, we see this story of David. And, and, and just briefly in the introduction, God was highly disappointed with David. He was frustrated. And Nathan the prophet comes and rebukes David. Because he goes through this great story of how this rich man came and did these corrupt things. And David acted as if he didn't know what Nathan was talking about. David said, who, who did that? If you read chapter 12, he said, now who in the world would do a thing like that? That's how we do when we don't confess our sins. Who would do, who would mess with another man's, are you kidding me? They did what? And then Nathan comes along and tells him those words that we love to hear, yet in this context we would not want to hear. He comes along and says, thou art the man. (laughs) You're the man. (laughs) You're the one, buddy. Nathan rebukes David. I'm mighty afraid we got too much silent love in the church today. We got too many messages where you can come in Sunday in and Sunday out, be in a load of sin and feel just as good as you felt before you came to church that Sunday. God is saying, I want my people to come in correct order with me. (laughs) I want my people to live this holy thing. So God was highly disappointed with David. In fact, in 2 Samuel 11, and I'm going to flip you through scriptures in a second, but the Bible says in 2 Samuel 11 verse 27, when the morning was passed, David sent and brought her to his house. Bathsheba, and she became his wife and bore him a son. Watch this. But this thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. The Bible says that God was disappointed with David. He thought everything was going to be just fine because he was the king. But let me tell you something. When it comes down to God and living holy, your status means a hill of beans. Your credentials means a hill of beans. 
where you've matriculated through and how much money you have in the bank does not change God's standard. His standard is what it has been. And that's holiness or hell. Y'all ain't saying nothing this morning, but I declare I'm going to preach this message. At the end of the day, holiness without which the word of God declares, no man shall see the Lord. So you can't take another man's wife or take another woman's husband and assume that everything is just going to be a-okay. As a result of doing things, the sword was in David's house. The Bible declares that what David had done in secret, God said, I'm going to expose it. And let me just give you a few passages in my introduction of exposure, and you don't have to turn there, but Numbers 32 and 23. Oh my God, this is one of those scary passages in the Bible. It says it this way. It says, be sure your sins will find you out. And you might be here today, and maybe you're not having an affair, but you're in some other sin. Trust me, this message applies to you. Whatever you may be doing, you better hear your young preacher today. And if you're visiting, thank God that you made it to this lighthouse. If you do not change, be sure that your sins will find you out. This, the, 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 the writer of the song said it best when he said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I ascend to the high hills, <laughs> You're there. In other words, anywhere I try to go, I cannot escape your presence. How do we know that's true? Because the son of this great man, David, this guy by the name of Solomon, by the way, who was the son of Bathsheba and David when they got things right before the Lord. But this same man in Proverbs 15 and 3 says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. Do you hear what I just said? In other words, you might be able to slip one over on the pastor. I might not know what you're doing. <laughs> Maybe my discernment is off that day. You might want to be able to slip one on brothers on, on the men's coordinator, and he's spirit-filled, you know, and he's doing this discipleship thing on Saturdays. But you might be able to get by on him. You know, he might not pick it up. But my God, you won't get by on God. My grandmother used to say it this way. You might be getting by, but you're not getting away. And she would go on to say, because sin will keep you longer than you want to stay and take you further than you want to go. My God. Anybody in here ever been in some sin and you didn't know the results were going to be like they turned out? <laughs> you thought you could stop soon enough? Y'all ain't saying nothing, but I declare I'm talking right. I'm not old school. I'm word of God. Yeah. You thought you could get by on this thing? You thought that you could do it and you could just grace your way into the presence of God. But God says, no, no, no. The day that you hear my voice, harden not your heart. So the real question becomes, because time is fleeting, what are the real dangers of having an affair? Why can't we just have one, Brother Gabe? We all fall short of the glory of God. Run over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because what are the real dangers of it, man? I mean, people fall short. Of the glory and, you know, what, what's, what's really up with that, you know? <laughs> if you're like me, when I was a sinner, I used to plan to repent. Y'all ain't getting that. We're going to go ahead and get in some sin tonight, but we're going to tell God how much we love him after this. I'm going to get in some sin, but I'm going to remind God of just, you know, how sorry I am after the fact. You can't plan to repent. Because the mere fact that you are conniving to plan to repent really means that you're not sorry in the first place. So how then 
Oh, what then are the dangers? Then I'm going to show you how to affair-proof your marriage. What are the dangers? The first danger is spiritual pollution. When you get in that affair, especially if you don't get delivered and set free and rededicate your life to the Lord, you have polluted your soul and your spirit. How do you know that? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall become one flesh. When you join yourself with a harlot, you join yourself with somebody else's spouse. That's harlotry. When you join yourself with a single person and you're married, that's harlotry. There is an infusion that goes on. There's a transferring that goes on. There is a coming together even in the spirit that goes on by which you literally have to be delivered from. You have to renounce the hidden things of darkness, Paul says. So when you get in that thing, it pollutes your spirit man. And whenever you pollute your spirit man, guess what ends up happening? You get warped thinking, which leads to the second pollution and is that of emotional pollution. The warped thinking comes in. You know, if you've ever read any, met anyone that's in some real sexual sins, they don't even think accurately. They can't just see a woman without seeing everything underneath her dress. And I'm going to teach this with tact because I know there are kids in the room. But they can't see. They can't see a situation and just look at it purely. They have to undress everything. Their thinking is warped. I told you about the counseling group I was running one time at a local college. And all the girls were trying to talk to this, this young man that was in the group. They had been trying to talk to him for weeks. And he, and he told me, he said, he said, Dr. Rogers, let me tell you something. He said uh, in private, he said, all these girls are talking to me and they're trying to get with me. But what they don't know is I'm a homosexual and I'm HIV positive. He said, they don't know that, but they just been trying to holler at me the whole time. <laughs> number one, I don't want them, <laughs> which is a problem. But number two, I'm sick and they have no idea. So he came to the group talk one night. See, I'm giving you real truth this morning. And he sat down next to me and we were in our counseling circle and we went around the circle to check in with everybody and all the little pretty girls in college, you know, and the fellas were in there as well and the handsome guys, football players, you name it. And they're talking back and forth. And, and then this young man says, Dr. Rogers, is this a good time for me to make my announcement? I said, man, go ahead. I'm not going to make it for you. If you want to make, you make whatever you want. You told me that in confidence. I can't tell nobody that. You tell them. I'm not going to tell them. It's not up to me. He says, y'all, I just need to let y'all know something. How many girls in here, because you know college kids, you know, they can be a little off the hook, so they'll just tell you. How many girls in here, y'all kind of liked it, me up to until now? You know, you kind of had a crush on me. And some of the girls said, shoot, girl, mm-hmm. I was one of the ones, but you weren't paying me no attention. He said, but I need to tell y'all something. I got HIV. And y'all didn't even know that. So that leads me to the third ramification of having an affair. Physical calamities. I'm so sick of preachers Sunday in and Sunday out telling you that the grace of God will cover you no matter what you do. Yeah, his grace will cover you, but then you got to live with what's left. Then you got to live with stuff that the doctors can't do anything with. The only way you'll get healed if the anointing shows up through some preacher somewhere and God decides to heal you. But outside of that, you're just stuck. And we can thank Brother Jake's 
for getting on CNN and telling the church in the world because he has great influence in the 20,000 member church. You know, he's not one of the little guys like me. I'm good when I see two or 300 people. But, you know, this man who has influence gets on television and says, well, you know, the Bible has no real answers for AIDS. When the interviewer asked him, and I'm so glad the interviewer asked him this, he said, Mr. Jakes, can I ask you a question? You have these conferences with 20,000 and 30,000 people who come and see you, and you live stream to millions in your community of African Americans, yet they are the highest on the HIV paranoia. He says, what is it about you that won't make you say anything about it during your conferences? Well, that's not my lane, because the Bible has no real answers for AIDS. The word of God says flee fornication. The word of God says flee youthful lust. I can quote a thousand passages. Paul talked more about sexual sins than he did about anything else. But because of foolish preachers. Foolish men. And we're so scared we won't stand up and say nothing. We apologize. We want to be in this conference. Please invite me to preach. Are you kidding me? You know why I'm upset? Why do you have an edge, Brother Gabe? Because I'm tired of, in my practice, sitting down next to a pretty young lady who would have great potential to have a husband and three beautiful kids. But she has to look me in the eye and say, Dr. Gabe, can I tell you something? I'm here to see you this afternoon because my, my report just came in the mail. The county just sent me my report, you know, and I wanted to talk to an African-American male because I got to work through this stuff. The reality is I now got AIDS. I now got herpes, man. What am I going to do with that? It's physical. According to the CDC, STDs cost our nation $16 billion in health care costs annually. Those are preventable diseases. That is not cancer. That's not renal failure. That's not heart failure. Those are preventable diseases. That $16 billion should not be spent. And I'm telling you that we would be able to cut that fee in half if our preachers would just say something. You look at your neighbor, slap them high five and say, won't you be one of the ones that say something? My God. And somebody give Jesus the best praise you got because you're not going to shut your mouth. Hallelujah. Don't want to be in any in groups. Don't invite me. I don't want to be in it anyway. I like my life. I don't have time for no crazy conference calls. I want to spend that time with my wife. Are you following me? You don't have time for that corrupt mess. Come out from among them. Be ye separate and holy, saith the Lord. So I got seven ways to affair-proof your marriage. And I'm going to give you this thing, and I pray that it'll get in your heart. You got to understand that there are seven ways to affair-proof your marriage or seven ways to stay out of other people's marriages. How, how do you do that? Well, for married people, check this out. Number one, keep your personal relationship with the Lord under a magnifying glass. Keep your personal relationship with the Lord under a magnifying glass. I got 36 minutes. I'm going to get all seven of these out. Keep your personal relationship with the Lord under a magnifying glass. You won't be able to turn to all my passages, but write it down. Psalm 26 and 2 says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. 
Try my mind and my heart. Try my what? Mind and my heart. By the way, even when you think about a woman, you think about a man, you've already committed adultery. Jesus clarified that. So he said, try my mind and my heart. Lord, keep me under that magnifying glass. Remain aware, self-aware. I wrote this down. You can put it in your notes if you'd like to. There is no accountability like the one you have towards yourself and God. You can get all the sponsors in the world you want. You can go to all the meetings in the world you want. But you will be left alone with yourself. That's when you got to make a decision. You can tell all the people in the world, don't you know sometimes people tell me, well, Pastor, nope, I've been living right. I haven't been doing nothing. And the Holy Ghost is just saying, liar, liar, liar. They're lying. <laughs> My discernment goes off, liar. Mm-mm, they ain't telling the truth. They look like sin. Smell like sin. Every part of them is sin driven. Said, don't, no, no, you come shake my hand after service. Don't act like, well, Lord, I don't want to look in my eye today. I'm not going to call you out. But what am I saying? Not just your preacher, your best buddies, those guys who got discernment, they know you're lying. They got the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost teaches you in all truths, leads you in all truths. You know all things. You walk in discernment, right? But you can lie to us. But at the end of the day, how do you deal with yourself? How do you deal with your walk with the Lord? Somebody say, keep it under the magnifying glass. Point number two, Melinda. Look at it, Tony. Find an example of a man or a woman who has been faithful. Every married couple needs somebody in their life who have been faithful. I'm looking at a man and a woman to my right who has never had a boyfriend or a girlfriend in 50 years. Boy, I wish I was in a Christian church. Because what's funny about that is if I said they had 55 affairs, but the Lord brought them back to life, people would say, woo, woo, woo. Praise the Lord. But what about some folk who have not fallen off the cliff? It's something they did right. But crazy preaching has taught you not to like that which is right. (laughs) Foolish, vain babblings have taught you that when any time something is just pure and healthy and normal, it is outside of the scope of what you can achieve. And I'm telling you, even single brothers and sisters, as you're dating right now, guess what? When you get married, there is a such thing as loving just that person. I know I'm preaching right this morning. They're not the only ones in this room that have never done it. I got some fins, some of my members, some of you that I know personally. I know your integrity. You've never been down that alley. Good for you. And those of you who have, thank God that he redeemed you. Now let's clap for that too. But for God's sake, get excited about the people that has done it right. I say this without being arrogant this morning, Thomas, but Psalm... 37 and 37 declares away this way. He says, mark the perfect man and behold the upright. Mark the perfect man. That does not mean he is perfect in every way, but you better find somebody who's perfect in what you're trying to do. They're batting a hundred. 
I don't say this in any arrogant way, but my God, if you're one of the sheep here at KCC, you know, uh, I'll say this in the vein of a story. I was counseling with a young lady. I've counseled with many young ladies like this, you know, pretty young ladies. I mean, really, you know, great potential to marry somebody one day in their 20s, 30s, 40s, who knows, right? And so you're sitting with them and they'll just look at you and say, you know, well, Dr. Gabe, let's just be honest. Is there a such thing as a black man that hadn't cheated? I mean, really, let's just, come on, let's cut to it. And you can't really blame the sisters because a lot of our examples are foolish. I mean, anytime you got people like Steve Harvey telling you to observe the 90-day rule before you have sex, make sure you go 90 days and then you have sex. I mean, anytime those are our mentors, anytime those are the, the, the leaders in our community, you really can't blame them for that warped thinking. But you know what I enjoy telling them? Guess what? You're looking at one. Yeah. I don't have a wife and a girlfriend. I've never had a wife and a girlfriend. Like, it's one sitting right in front of you. And you know what? I'm not getting ready to hit on you either. Wow! So you're sitting across from somebody, and the only thing he's going to do is just try to help you, but he ain't going to try to holler! No, I'm good. I'm okay. I was at a conference one day. And see, you can be over the top with this stuff because you don't need to be, like, insecure in your marriage either. Like, you can speak to people. Talking about, no, I can't speak to nobody. I got a husband. <laughs> no, my wife's at home, girl. Mm-mm. I don't speak to no women. No, no, it's not like that. I was at a conference in, in Michigan. This was probably 10 years ago. And I was sitting down, man, and, and a young lady was sitting next to her husband, right? And so I'm, I ain't studying her. So I'm enjoying the teaching that night. And uh, the teacher says, look at your neighbor. And he said something like, tell your neighbor that God looks good on you or something that says it looks good on you, right? And so I'm sitting there, TJ, and the young lady, you know, she tells her husband that. And then she looks at me and she says, and I want to tell you that God looks good on you as well. And my husband thinks so too. I said, honey? <laughs> now, now, here was her point. Her point was, I don't want to make you think I'm hitting on you. So, like, God looks good on you, so I don't want you to think I'm trying to talk to you or anything like that. But now, she thought more highly of herself than she ought. Because I said, trust me, if your husband left me in a dark room with you for six years, you would be safe and secure from all alarm. You don't touch one button in my flesh. You are safe. We could stay in the same hotel room. You would be safe. How about that? How about that? <laughs> so, like, you can be arrogant with that thing. Everybody ain't trying to holler at you. Just speak to people. I mean, you ain't the most handsome man in the world. Sometimes I see these pastors get up. Now, I'm not going to do this with women. I go, well, but, man, listen, they don't really want to do that with you. You don't have to worry. You're good. Number three. Thank you, Thomas. Don't carry on with close relationships of the opposite sex. Uh-oh. Run over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Is this blessing anybody? Don't carry on. Now, this is where I'm going to get in trouble. Don't carry on with relationships, close relationships with the opposite sex. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 10, verse 12 through 13. Now, you can speak to people, but, like, they don't need to be your ace kumbum. 
There you go, your best friend looks like Nia Long and Halle Berry. That's your best friend. She looked like Vanna White in her prime. And she, she's, she's your sounding board. Well, I just talk to her every now and then because she keeps me centered. I call this the Lily Rogers look. That's how she used to look at us when something didn't make sense. Or what you talking about, Willis? Where you get that from? Don't carry on. I'll give you a Bible for it. This ain't my opinion. See, I don't preach opinion. I preach the word of God, man. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands. The Amplified Bible says, who feels sure that he has a steadfast mind and is standing firm. Take heed lest he fall. Verse 13, for no temptation, Amplified Bible, no trial regarded as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. But God is faithful in such that he will provide a way of what? Escape. But I want to enunciate those five words. Take heed lest he fall. You've got to be self-aware and aware of the people that you're communing with. Because watch this, you may have <coughs> pure motives. But it does not mean that they have pure motives. And sometimes they don't have pure motives, but because they're emotional, they don't even know that they don't have pure motives. A vulnerable man or a woman is a vulnerable man or a woman. I pray you'll get this CD and listen to it, because the reality is, is... <coughs> You can't carry on these relationships with the opposite sex. And people will say, well, pastor, that doesn't make any sense, you know, because there is a such thing as platonic relationships. If you've been at this church long enough, you've heard me preach about that. First of all, platonic comes from the word Plato. Plato was gay. He was a homosexual philosopher. So the, and he was. If you look him up, Plato was gay. I'm not joking. He really was gay. He, he will tell you he was gay. He didn't like the sexuality between a man and a woman. All right. He was a homosexual. So now how in the world does a homosexual advise you on what relationships should look like? Furthermore, if he had female friends, he was good with it because he didn't want to man or, 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 or yeah, female friends. He was good with it because the reality is he wanted a man in the first place. He wasn't even attracted to females, according to him, although homosexuality is wrong. But wait, pastor, you're too dogmatic. I wrote these responses because I know that's what people think. I put them in my notes this Sunday. See, I'm a good apologist, Travis. You always got to have an answer for, for, the, for the pushback. <laughs> well, I said, but wait, pastor, you are too dogmatic. I have had this friend since middle school. We just meet for coffee once a week. That's not a bad argument. Okay, just put this one in your notes. We don't got time to go there. Uh, Proverbs 6, verse 27 through 29. Can a man take fire to his bosom and not be burned? Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? All this had something to do with an affair because verse number 29 brings it around the corner. So is the one who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. What is God saying? Is it possible for you with your emotional visual self to be sitting across the table from somebody who is attractive in one way or another? They may not be attractive visually, but they're a great conversation piece. 
They know how to talk to you. My uncle is in heaven now, just recently passed away of cancer. Mom's brother-in-law. Your uncle too, Tony. He's a great guy. He used to tell me the story about how he got with his wife. At first, his wife wasn't studying him. She wasn't, she wasn't thinking about him. She didn't want to be with him. She laughs about the story to this day, my mom's sister. But over time, via the gradual chiseling away, she finally not only gave in to him. Now, they were not in an affair, but he was just trying to talk to her. She gave in to him and not only gave in to him, married him, lived out a 35-year marriage with three kids. But that occurred because he was consistent and persistent. Well, the same rules apply to other relationships. You can wake up one day and it'll occur to you, I like her. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Well, I mean, she's not, he's not really my type. You know, he's not tall. I'm normally into tall guys, but he does work. <laughs> it's hard to find one that's working. He works, and gosh, you know, he treats his mom well. God, that man's got his own house. He's just as nice as he can be. I like him. The devil plays in your emotions. You know, he, he's strategic. There's, this is an actual research study. Do you know that people, and I'm careful when I say this, but people who we regard as socially pretty or handsome, do you know that they have the tendency to get a job twice as likely as those that we do not regard that way? Let, let, let a nice, nice looking man or woman come in for an interview. They will justify hiring them even if they can't talk. Because this is somebody I would just like to be around day in and night. Are you seeing where I'm coming from? What's your point, Brother Gabe? We are all visual. Everybody say visual. All right, my time is fleeting. Number four, this is a fun one. Decode your life. Uh-oh. What does decode your life mean? Take out all of the secrets. This is a good one. I wrote this down. <clears throat> if you are married... Either take your passcodes off of your electronic devices or give the codes, thank you, Seku, to your spouse. Do you have a cell phone? Can I do an, a demonstration? Can I see your phone? This Man, this is a strong armor bear right here. Let me tell you what, what people who are in some mess do. Um, your phone is over here, right? It's already passcode protected. But usually the passcode doesn't apply when it starts ringing. Right. So when your phone is ringing, you see, say, cool, will you stand between me and the phone? Let me see if, yeah, you got to, you got to, because your wife or husband is standing at the phone, and let's just, everybody say, ring. ring. Good God. Yeah, I'm back. Man, you cradled RJ, they got the fumble. You cradled that thing. Good God Almighty. Girl, give me that phone. <laughs> there you go, phone ringing, and here you go to the bathroom. 
Yeah, no, they all home right now. Yeah, I, call, I, I told you I'll call you in five. I told you never call me between these hours. I told you I was going to call you at five. You know he go to work at five. Yeah. All that secrecy, man. All that secrecy. Well, my husband and wife, we don't like to know each other's secrets. That's the problem. If you're going to have friends, they need to be mutual friends. Everybody come to the cookout. How come your wife can't meet her? How come you don't want to introduce her at the office party? Lord, stay on. Secrecy. You got to take all them codes off of your Apple iPods and iPhones and Samsung Galaxies. Or if you keep them on there for banking purposes so other people don't get it, get your, your, your social and stuff like that, give the code to your spouse. How come you got email, like, I done broke everything. You got emails that, like, your wife don't know you have. And your, you got domains that your husband don't know. Uh-oh. It's quiet in the room. I know y'all want this 19 minutes to go by, but I'm not going to hush my mouth. I told you I was going to teach on how to affair-proof your marriage. You knew I was going to talk on it. If you didn't like it, you should have gone to another church today. But the devil is a liar. Decode your life. Yes, sir. All these secrets. Can't tell anybody anything, man. Don't want anybody to really know what's going on. I got secrets. Number five, don't minimize your inner dialogue slash attractions. Don't minimize them. You'll get this point in just a second. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. So don't minimize. Gabe, when you say your attractions, check it out. There are going to be people in your life that's attractive just like your husband, just like your wife. Now, when you know you are attracted to them, and that's your inner talk again, don't minimize it. Since you know you're attracted to them, do your due diligence to stay from around them in general. Because you work around them every day. You know when they go to lunch, don't go to lunch at the same time. See, we're too sanctimonious. Joseph taught us something with Potiphar's wife. He didn't stay there and try to fight off the sin. Well, girl, no, I don't need to be sleeping with you. Uh-uh, keep my coat, take my coat, my hat. He left it in the house and he ran. In fact, that's how he got framed. But he wasn't studying trying to fight. Oh, I'm not standing this. Having done all the stand. There you go quoting scriptures that don't apply. Having done all the stand, I'm going to stand. So I can eat a cheeseburger with her. It's not going to bother me. I, I'm, I'm minimizing it. I know good God Almighty, he looks good. Y'all ain't going to talk to me this morning. I'm preaching. I claim I'm preaching today. I'm going to say like the old deacons, dad, and deacon Frank, man, I need y'all to sit on the front row when y'all come together. That make me feel like I'm back in the Baptist church. Good God of me. You know, and, and they would say stuff like, boy, if you don't ever preach again, you sure told it today. I'm preaching today. Gabe, you are preaching today. Talking to myself up here. Keep your heart with all diligence. You know when you are attracted. The NIV says it this way. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. 
So you got to guard it, man. When you know you like somebody, even if you are married, it's a human attraction. But you got to guard yourself. It's not spiritual. You got to be practical. James 1 and 12 says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Counselor, uh, who is a counselor educator down in New Orleans, won't use her name, but she was speaking at a (coughs) conference not long ago down there. I was at it. This woman wrote the book on counseling ethics. So she is as ethical as they come. But she told the story of how she was working with a man in counseling. And when she was working with this man in counseling, she started to notice that she was becoming attracted to the man. And I know our first reaction is, now you know better than that. But now she clarified, ladies, that the man looked like Brad Pitt. So now, and some of y'all, that still don't move you. I know that's right. (laughs) But he looked like Brad Pitt, which was her type. So she was attracted to this young man. And watch this. This is what I mean when I say be aware of your self-noise. What she noticed was, is on the days when she would be seeing him, she would dress the part. She paid a particular, catch this Tam and Travis, you counselors in training. She, she paid particular attention to how she was presenting herself that day. She would make sure that on the day she saw him, her hair was properly groomed. On other days, she'd just go with jeans. You, you know, it is no big deal, man. But when she was getting ready to see him, she was properly arrayed. Y'all aren't getting this. You got to be conscientious of what's going on with you when you know you're going to see certain people. I wrote this down because James 1 and 12 says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Listen to what James is trying to teach us. Sometimes enduring temptation simply means leaving the room. Boy, this is good practical stuff. You, just, you ain't going to stay. You're not going to try to master. Mm-mm, I'm gone. All right. Point number six. Don't read unaccredited material that speaks to your sex life. Don't read unaccredited material that speaks to your sex life. Married couples, if you're single, don't have a sex life. Go to Lifeway and read every book on the shelf. Mm-hmm. But don't have a sex life as a single because that's not what God wants you to have as a single. But if you are married, don't read unaccredited material to enhance your sex life. I got to pick up speed. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manner. He says, don't be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manner. The Holy Ghost, as I was walking through the grocery store this week, as my wife sent me to the grocery store, you know, and I was just walking through, the Holy Ghost began to peel my eyes to uh, what some inappropriate stuff may be. Now, you know, it's real easy to master the pornography. You know, anybody with their right mind who's born again, you know you're not supposed to be reading Playboy. I mean, you don't even need that to be in the Bible. It ain't in the Bible. Where's that in the Bible? I don't see no scripture on Playboy. <laughs> but I said, man, what would the devil use? Because after all, he never came in red with horns. That's not in scripture. You know, that's what the world told us he looks like. He doesn't look like that, by the way. So he never came that way. So what, what would he use, Deke, to mess us up? Women's health. First of all, she's got on sheer with tight skirts. Coming to her thighs. And then look at the caption. Sizzling sex. New and naughty moves. Women's health. 
that's not in Playboy. That's in women's health, where they, where they teach you some new stuff that you could do with your spouse. Because after all, you've not done enough moves yet. And that's going to keep you enticed. You've been married to the same person 25 years, and you're looking for something else. Uh, essence! Oh! You know those little girls, T and Tamara? Yeah. There they go with something tight on. And listen to what their caption is. Essence magazine. Women, when you go get your hair done, bring your Bible with you. And if you ain't going to bring your Bible, bring a good book. Don't trust them to have the right stuff because here's the caption. Sexy at any age. Embrace your inner naughty girl. Yeah, because I got to release that naughtiness. I got to embrace it. Well, Pastor Gabe, I knew the argument, so I put it in my notes. Ain't we supposed to be naughty for our spouse, though? But wait a minute, though. You know, because, you know, I kind of like it when my wife do that kind You know what I'm saying? I mean, I like that thing. So it's kind of hard for me to digest what you're saying on that point. I, I like the first five points of what, you know what I'm saying? I really got the first five points. But when you got off in that thing about not being naughty and all that kind of stuff, I didn't really understand what you were saying. <laughs> I need clarification. Here it is. Thank you, Mel. Don't enhance your sex life with images of other people oh here it is like not only do you not need to watch rated r movies let me answer that argument Uh oh i said something that bothered you i know i did because after all on rated r movies the woman is going to take her top off i'm going to say something and i'm, I'm being tactful because kids are here deke am i preaching right this morning <coughs> like the only like only person you need to see, kids are in here, that are disrobed is your spouse. So now, if, if there is a risk of going to that rated R movie, knowing emphatically that some woman is going to take her shirt off, stay at home. Some man's going to take his shirt off and show you his six pack, but you're spiritual. You can fend it off. Pastor Gabe, how you stay right? Because the only woman I look at is my wife. I'm being tactful because we got kids in here. But I don't need to see any other woman's top. You don't either. I done told some of y'all who are future authors in here, talking about something, it don't bother me. There you go being a a future author. Because you need to write the book on how you overcame lust by disobeying the Bible. How you overcame sexual sins by doing it your way. 50 ways to watch Halle Berry in Monsters Ball without being aroused. 50 ways to watch the movie Unfaithful without being aroused. I won't give you any more because I know you'd have to burn your whole shelf when you get home. So. <laughs> All right, this is my last one, and some of you need to do that. That's what they did in the book of Acts. Throw some books away, burn them up, get rid of them, and don't use that stuff to enhance your sex life. By the way, your wife will never be able to do what Debbie Does Dallas does. 
Then you go watching Debbie and talking about someone. I just liked it when she did this with her leg. Can you get your leg? Did you see that part in the movie? You putting Debbie on your wife. When in reality, Debbie has outtakes. So if they don't perform well, they can say, and cut, let's try it again. I'm going to call some pastors after this message and tell them, expect some new members because I just lost some today. <laughs> they're coming. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to tell them they're coming from the east and the west. I know they're coming from the west because the kingdom church is on the west side. And they're leaving me after this message. Expect them. But if I lose you off of this, hit the road, Jack. Because, see, you might be one of the people that actually like sleeping with other people's spouses. And if you want to do that, then we don't really need you anyway. <laughs> like, this ain't the right church for you. If you just like, like winking at other people's husbands and stuff. Or you like having extra conversations with other people's wives. Every time service turned out, then you go talking about some sister. Come over here. Let me just talk to you. And these the wrong brothers to do that with in the first place. I know I'm around some men. Good God Almighty. Some man shout man up if some hello somebody, somebody gonna be trying to rap with your with your, uh, with your wife. I know that's right, say cool. That's the end of it. That's a strong armor bearer. So don't read unaccredited material, man. Keep that stuff out of your in gate. See, your in gate is your eyes and your ears. When you watch that rated R movie and they're making those sexual noises, that plants in your brain. I can tell you this psychologically. You have an executive decision portion of your brain at the front here, and it stores information. It will store images that you've seen. That's why sometimes it'll take a kid who was exposed to por pornography years to just leave that stuff alone. Because the images are so solid, man. All right, number seven, and this is the last one. Keep your relationship with your spouse healthy. Come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I don't have any backflips today. I don't have any other way of teaching this. But I know it's something that everybody should have in their library. Keep your relationship with your spouse healthy. If you're single, keep healthy accountability for God's sake. Keep solid people around you. You're single and you want to get married. Find a married couple to mentor you. That's doing it right. Keep solid people around you. But, excuse me, in your marriage, married couples, keep your relationship healthy with your spouse. Sec uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I may have said second. I meant first. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The Bible says it this way. Uh, start at verse number 1. Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. So now Paul was simply talking about his call and how by call he had the gift of celibacy. Now I want to tell you today that there were only a few people in the word of God who even had the gift of celibacy. Paul was one of them. Jeremiah was another one. God told Jeremiah, I don't want you to get married because I have set you aside for this prophetic mission. He told Paul, you don't need a wife. You're going to be traveling too much in so many words. So these guys had the gift of celibacy. I want to make a public announcement. I've been a Christian for a long time now. I have never met another Christian in today's time who had the gift of celibacy. 
I don't know one. You might know one because there is a such thing. You can be celibate. Don't get that wrong. Those are people who uh, maybe they're no longer married. They're not going to get married again, whatever the case may be. You might be celibate. You're supposed to be celibate. Don't mix the two. But the gift of celibacy is by call. That you're not even looking for a man to come marry you or a woman to, to marry you. You are set aside for the work of the gospel. So that's what Paul meant by this. Nothing wrong with celibacy. It has its place, especially before you're married. But number two, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, somebody say to stay out of the fear. Let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Now, this is where it gets good. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise unto the wife unto the husband. The wife has no power over her own body, but the husband has the power. Stephanie? The wife has no power over her own body. That's the word. I'm going to be like the holiness church. Ready, read! All right. So the wife doesn't have power over her body but the husband. And likewise, the husband has no power over his own body but the wife. Stephanie, I have no problem with that passage. I want you to know that in this message that you got power over me when it comes down to that, girl. I have no problem with that. Verse number five. Therefore, defraud you not one of the other. Except it be by consent, watch this, for a brief period of time, that you may give yourself to fasting and what? Praying. And then with urgency, come together again so that Satan cannot tempt you. Get back together again. Every year when we come off of the 21-day fast, rush home that Sunday. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I think it's hilarious that the things we like the most, we don't like talking about. Nobody wants a message on money, but you want money. You're, you're lying. Yeah, you do. Nobody, no. How, how could he talk about all that sex? No, you, no, no, you, you've had SEX. If you're married, you want to have some more of it. Young people don't have it before time. See, I'm a balanced preacher. Keep your virginity. Praise the Lord. Don't open up that box. See, when you're teaching like this, you got to be careful because I don't want anybody leaving here tainted. Single people, keep yourself. But marry folk. The Bible says you owe each other due benevolence. You know, I know that's right, Monica. You know what due benevolence means? The Amplified Bible calls it congenial rights. I'm not going to tell you what that means because you're an adult. You know what that means. You got kids in here. You have due benevolence to one another. Don't deprive each other of those areas. And I wrote this down. Don't use it as a leverage either. So we had a disagreement or whatever the case may be. Well, there you go. There's my leverage. Or I'm not going to do thus and so until you do thus and so. Mm -mm. That's not the right tool for that. And it's not just about SEX, but by the way, it's about keeping yourself groomed. 
Oh, man, that's real practical. Keep yourself up for your spouse. Now, when people have affairs and my time is going to run out, I'm going to close it out right here before you guys stop it. Don't have the affair, but because you're here on Sunday morning, you'll get the extended version. When people have affairs, the bottom line is they don't necessarily have affairs because the other person look good. That is not why people have affairs. People have affairs because they have a problem with lust. Lust. 